take your Bible, if you've got one, and turn to Book of Acts. So we have been the last four weeks in the the last chapters of the Gospels, and we've we've been trying to lay a foundation for what happens in the Book of Acts. Uh, we're we're ready to jump into the Book of Acts. I mean, the Book of Acts is exciting, guys. It is it is exciting to see what the gospel does in hearts that have been prayed over and are prepared to receive it. And this and this is a lot of what we see. There's a lot of exciting experiences of people in the early church. And uh, just to sum up the last four weeks, it's this. I think it's the first line in your notes this morning. It's this. The physical resurrection of Jesus Christ changed everything. It, it changed everything. Not only for those who followed him in the first century, but you know what? The resurrection of Jesus changes you, changes me, it changes people, because without the resurrection, Paul says, our faith is in vain, and we're here without purpose. But if Jesus did rise, and there's both biblical and historical evidence that he did, if that happened, then everything changes. So for the followers of Jesus, as we saw in the, in the last four weeks, it took a little bit of additional teaching and reassurance from Jesus, but the followers of Jesus went from scared men hiding in a locked room to guys who were ready to preach in the marketplace and lose their heads for the gospel. Obviously something happened and it was the resurrection of Jesus because he says in Matthew 28 that Jason mentioned, he says that it's his authority in which Christians then go out and, and teach and, and preach and baptize and make disciples. It's in his authority. Last week in the book of John, uh, he made it clear that everything that Jesus did and everything that he said was witnessed and then written down with a particular purpose in mind. And it's this, so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. That's the point. That is what Jesus said and did, and all the followers of Jesus would say and do. All of it points to the same thing. It points to the fact that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and He gives life to those who believe. To those who believe. So the signs and the miracles that He performed that are captured in the Gospels and some that will be captured in the book of Acts, they're not the end in and of themselves. They point to something greater. The fact that Jesus overcomes sin. The fact that he conquered death. He has control over physical creation. He has control over the spiritual realm. He even has the power and authority to forgive your sins and make you right before God. This is huge. Everything the Gospels tell us, everything the book of Acts will say, point in the same direction to the same thing, and it's this. Jesus is greater. Jesus is better. Don't get caught like the, the thousands of people at the, the feeding of the 5,000. Don't get caught just remembering the fish and the loaves. Look past it. Look through it to the deeper meaning. 
This is what VBS is going to be uh, asking our children to do this week, is to dig deep. There's hidden treasure here, but we've got to dig for it sometimes, and we're going to dig this week, and we're excited to do that. But John, last week, asked this question, and all of what I've said so far kind of begs the question, and it's just this, do you believe it? Do you believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God? Because if you do, you have life in His name. The core message of every sermon preached in the book of Acts is Jesus Christ. I went back and looked this week. Every message talks about Jesus, which shouldn't be a surprise to us. The purpose of every miracle performed in the book of Acts is to point people to Jesus. You see the theme, I know you do, in what I'm saying already. But we, we view the whole Bible as a Christ-centered book. We, we, we worked through Genesis and the curses that were given out. And even all the way back towards the beginning of creation, there's messianic undertones to it, right? Someone would come, a son of Eve would come and crush the head of the serpent. From the beginning, this was the point. And so we think that this is a Christ-centered book that we have. And so you can see it in Genesis. You can see it certainly in the book of Psalms, Psalm 22 especially. You see it through the writings of the prophets. You certainly see it in the New Testament as well. And so sometimes you read, maybe your, the title of your book, uh, of your Bible, for the book of Acts might say like the Acts of the Apostles. Um, I'm going to suggest that that's an inaccurate uh, title for this. Really, I think it should be titled the acts of Jesus Christ through the apostles. Okay. Because they did incredible things in the name of Jesus, but it was always in the name of Jesus. It was always with the power of Jesus. People's sins were forgiven, not by Peter and John's power, but by the power of Jesus displayed through them. People are healed by the power and authority of Jesus. In fact, uh, we'll get to it in just a couple of weeks, but in Acts chapter 3, when Peter and John are there and the lame man uh, who's begging, he comes out and he's looking for something from these guys and they say, we don't have any money to give you, but what we have is yours. And this guy stands up and he's, he's leaping. And who is he praising? He's not praising Peter and John. It says that he's praising God. He knew whose powers healed him. And when Peter is explaining the miracle after that in chapter 3, verse 16, he doesn't point to the power that the apostles have. He makes it clear that it was faith in Jesus that healed this man. So the apostles are simply instruments in the Father's hands, just like you and me. Instruments in the hand of the Father. And so, if you consider the whole book, Acts, the book of Acts, it really just highlights a handful of the, the followers of Jesus. Um, it makes me think of what John says last week about how if everything was recorded, there wouldn't be enough books on the earth to fill, to hold them. That's it. Acts doesn't cover every single spiritual movement of the day. It just kind of follows a a, a few, a handful of people and tells us the story of how the church got started. But we know that there were hundreds 
and hundreds, even thousands of of believers who were following uh, the gospel of Jesus Christ and what he said. Every one of these guys, every one of these girls pointed back to Jesus, not to themselves. The ministry and teaching of Jesus doesn't end with his ascension. We're going to read briefly about that this morning in the first 11 verses. But the ministry and teaching of Jesus doesn't end there. It continues through his people in his church until he comes. So verse 1 helps us understand some of this. Look at Acts chapter 1, verse 1. We'll just read this first verse for now. In the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach. Uh, he's talking about his gospel, the previous book that he had written. Um, if you look back at, you can thumb back to Luke chapter 1. Give you a second just to do that, so we're all on the same page here. Luke chapter 1. The first four verses explain some of these things. And it explains how, how Luke was writing to a guy named Theophilus. So that he may have certainty concerning the things that he has been taught. You can see that in verse 3 and 4. He says, he says, uh, I write to you, in verse 3, an orderly account, most excellent Theophilus, that you may have certainty concerning the things you have been taught. So, here we go. We've covered the author and the recipient pretty quickly here. Luke's the author. He's writing to a guy named Theophilus. We don't know a whole lot about this guy, Theophilus. Uh, it's possible he was a new believer. And that's why Luke is saying, hey, I just want to write these things so you have certainty about them. It's, it's possible that he was someone who was just kind of seeking truth but wasn't quite a believer. Maybe he was a kind of a financer of what Luke was doing. And Luke was giving him a, an explanation of all the things that he was seeing and encountering. We know a little bit about Luke. If, if you jot down in your notes, Colossians chapter 4, verse 14, Paul identifies Luke as a beloved physician. So Luke's a doctor. We know that he was uh, probably very analytical because of that. He was detail-oriented. You can see some of those things in his gospel account. Uh, the Apostle Paul wrote a lot of the New Testament, but I found it interesting, if you can believe it, Luke's writings in his gospel and here in the book of Acts actually contain more material than Paul's writings do. Luke was very much a, a prolific writer. He dealt with a lot of facts. But Luke doesn't really say much about himself, does he? He really hardly even identifies himself as the author here, so we don't know a whole lot about him, but I think we can see the kind of guy he was by how he writes. Uh, if, if We don't write a whole lot of handwritten letters anymore, but if you've gotten letters from people, maybe you just haven't talked to them in a while, you can kind of see the type of person that they are based on how they write, and, and I think it's true here for Luke too. He had a passion for the life-changing gospel of Jesus Christ. In his gospel and here in the book of Acts, he captures not just the event of, of healing or miracles, but the effect that they had on the people 
And that's helpful for us and important. I think also we can find out from Luke's writings that he was really uh, very sensitive to those who were sort of outliers, who were maybe the, the disadvantaged. Uh, we can see he captures a lot of Jesus' ministry to the poor and to the, to the lame and people that society kind of just pushed to the sides. Luke had a heart for them. He also seemed to have very much concern for the Gentiles uh, outside of his just immediate circle of Jewish friends. Interestingly, the book of Acts only covers like 30 years of time. Hundreds of people, though, had seen Jesus risen from the dead at this point. Uh, we're sure there's at least 500 because it says that, but um, there are hundreds of people. And so if those... Imagine if 500 people saw a man who they'd seen crucified on a Roman cross three days earlier, is it likely that those 500 people kept it to themselves? No, of course not. These people are going to say, I saw the most incredible thing. And they're going to tell people, even people that may not believe in Christ as Jesus as the Christ, the son of God, they're still going to say, this guy was dead. I saw it. And now he's walking around talking and teaching again. So this was a major event in, in, in history. It's recorded, like I said, in biblical history, but also in just a historical fact um, that shines light on this truth that Jesus really did live. Jesus really did die and he rose again. So what Luke is writing about isn't just his opinion of things. It's not just some like harebrained concoction that he came up with. It's historical fact. Really, a lot of these things are just cold, hard truth that Jesus really lived. He really died. He really bodily rose from the dead. And then he taught for three years before his death and then another 40 days after his resurrection, before his ascension. We see in the book of Acts this, I don't know of a better way to explain it, but as an explosion Right When you've got thousands of people being added to the church, that's an explosion of, of good things. And that's what, that's what happens in the book of Acts. People are, are preaching a risen Christ who can really save you from your sin. And people are hearing this message and they're thinking, this is incredible. How can I be saved? And thousands of people are added to the church. But here's something I want to keep in mind as we start uh, studying the book of Acts more deeply. This book captures historical events in the first century with those Christians there, but it's more than just history. It is history, don't get me wrong, but it's, it's more than that. In, in fact, it's good to study history, right? M- most of us have, or at least should, have American history in part of our schooling. Right? It's how our nation was founded. These are important things. We're going to learn a little bit more about that in the fall when we start a new course during our Sunday school hour. But we should have learned American history. It's good to learn history. It's famously been said that if we ignore history, we're doomed to repeat it. It doesn't go well for a people who forgets history. So we don't want to forget this is a historical thing. But the book of Acts isn't just about the history of the church. It's about the history of the mission of the church. And I think there's a distinction or distinctive there that we, I don't want us to lose sight of. These are facts of what happened. But why they happened and how they happened 
are important for us in 2023. Because Christians down through the ages have the same mission. This connects us to the church as a whole. And so this is next in your blanks on your notes. Just simply Christians today in 2023, we have the same mission and we have the same message as that of the early church. It it hasn't changed. What were they preaching? A resurrected Christ. What do we preach? A resurrected Christ. Right? So this connects us. The mission, Matthew 28, Great Commission, we could say, those are sort of interchangeable. Go, teach, baptize. All of those things are included in just the general idea of make disciples, he says. Making disciples. So the mission of the church contains the message of the church, and neither one has changed since the inception of the church. Let me say that one more time. The mission of the church contains the message, and neither one has changed since the inception of the church. It's the same message. We sing a song sometimes. I heard an old, old story. It's the same story. We don't have a new message that we go and preach. In fact, I would say if the church is preaching a different message or has a different mission, then we should just change our name from a church because we're not doing church things anymore. This is what the church is about. This is our identity, brothers and sisters, is to be about the mission of Jesus Christ. Now, if you don't believe me, let's look at the first 11 verses in Acts. Let me just point something out. Let's read it first, and then I'll point it out. So if you're not in Acts, get to Acts chapter 1. We'll just read through the first 11 verses together. In the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach. Until the day when he was taken up, after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. He presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? He said to them, it's not for you to know times or seasons that the father is fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up. The cloud took him out of their sight, and while they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus, who is taken up from you into heaven, will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. Those are the, that's how the book of Acts starts. Now, if you don't believe me that the book of Acts is more about Jesus than what the disciples did, look at those 11 verses. In every single verse, Jesus is mentioned. It's not that way in a lot of the rest of the book because it covers the, the life and happenings of the early church and the apostles here. But every verse in these opening 11 verses refer to Jesus. So it seems to me that Luke is preparing us to see how Jesus' ministry is continuing through the church today. 
The, the book of Acts is historical, again, but it's more than just facts alone. Luke wants to be accurate in that way, so he includes details about what happens, the power of Christ revealed in creation and through in sickness and conquering these things. But he also includes a bunch of sermon notes in the book of Acts. If you've read through the book of Acts recently, you know that. In fact, if you look at it, 25%, a quarter of the book of Acts is sermon notes. For real. It's a record of sermon notes. This is the book of Acts. So it's more than just historical. There's a point in it. Luke is trying to help us understand something. Anyone who believes that the Bible is truly God's word cannot also believe that evangelism is unnecessary. Okay, The book of Acts is going to reveal that really clearly. We can't say, oh, God will do that work. I don't need to do anything. I don't need to say anything. The book of Acts is going to blow that idea out of the water. John, we said last week, John wanted to convince you to believe. That was his point. These things are written so that you may believe. John wants to convince you to believe. Luke here, he wants to convince believers to preach. Preach it. You believe it, John says. Luke says, now go and preach it. And again, we're not preaching something new or special or some uh, something else. We're preaching the old, old story. Luke wants Christians in the church to take up the good news of Jesus and continue proclaiming it to the world that they live in, even in a day like today, even in the face of a challenging cultural climate. As we go through the book of Acts, you're going to see it was sort of similar for them. In fact, maybe even more tumultuous than we're at at the moment. When you get right down to it, the very thing that led to to, to growth in the church in the first century that, ex- that allowed for this explosion was just believers preaching the gospel message. It wasn't special, brothers and sisters. They didn't have the brightest signs. They didn't have megaphones out on the street corner. They didn't have tracks that they were passing out. And none of those things are wrong or bad. But they didn't have those things. And the Spirit, spirit still moved in great power to see his kingdom come in Jerusalem and Judea and to the ends of the earth. Gospel proclamation is what led to the exponential growth in the church in the first century. Teaching and preaching and baptizing and making disciples was their method. Guys, doesn't that sound familiar? That's what the church in 2023 in Pike County, Missouri... And around the world, that's what we're called to do. The message has not changed. The process has not changed. It's still the same thing. Gospel proclamation. So, if that's true, and I believe it is, and I think we can see sufficiently from this text that it is, that it's about Jesus. If that's true, then the message and the mission of Ramsey Creek in 2023 Get this, is the same message and same mission as it was in 1816 when the church was established. It's the same message that it was in the first century. As Paul is going around and establishing elders and churches, it's the same message. It hasn't changed. 
In fact, he says in other places that if it is something different that you're hearing, disregard it and run away. And I would say the same thing. If you're hearing something different than the gospel of Jesus Christ, disregard it and run away. Run back to the truth found in his word. So Ramsey Creek's mission and message is the same because Jesus' ministry continues through his people in his church even in 2023 today. Not just in Ramsey Creek. Praise God that it will continue here. But in churches around Pike County, we pray for. And churches around Missouri and the United States and the world, we pray that this is true of every organization or rather every group that calls themselves a church, that this would be their message. The old, old story. It hasn't changed. And so in closing, I'll just ask John's question and Luke's question. So John's question again is, do you believe it? The gospel message that hasn't changed for, for centuries, do you believe it? Do you have life in his name through believing it? And then Luke's question is this. Are you ready to pro- proclaim it? Are you willing to take the truth of a resurrected Savior to the world around you. It's not easy because some of you work in places that are hostile to truth and the Bible. Maybe not openly hostile, but maybe just uh, kind of under the surface of people that just don't want to hear it. We go in truth and we go in love, but we still go, right? And we still proclaim. And so may that be the question that rings in our ears today. Do we believe it? Are we ready to proclaim it? I'm, I'm convinced that our study in the book of Acts is ordained of God. Been talking about this for, for almost a year. And yet, now's a time in the culture of our world with an election year next year when we as a church need to understand how to be salt and light in a world that is increasingly hostile towards us, towards truth. And so we get to see a, a historical record, but also a spiritual record of what it looks like for God's people to do this. Are you ready? Buckle in, because I think we're in for a good ride together. But that's the question. Do you believe it? Are you ready to proclaim it? Let's pray for these things now together. Let's pray. Lord, I pray that we would believe this, that we would be convinced of the truth that Jesus lived a perfect life, that he died a substitutionary death, that he paid every bit of of wrath that was due us, and then three days later, he was risen from the dead to prove that he has victory over sin and death, and then ascended back into heaven where he sits in your, your right hand in power. And through the Spirit, gives authority and power to His people. But we don't, we don't claim it as our own, Lord. We never say, look at what we've done. We point people to Jesus. May that continue as the message and mission of Ramsey Creek going forward in 2023 and beyond, that we would point people to Jesus. Lord, help us to believe it. And then, if we are convinced of it and we do believe it, Lord, help us to be ready to proclaim it. 
to preach it, to teach it, to go and to make disciples using this, Lord, the most effective way to do that, your word. May we cherish it. May we exalt it. May we recognize that it is of you. It gives us truth of Jesus and your character. And so, Lord, as we let these things kind of settle today, and then as we anticipate getting in and digging into this account in the book of Acts in weeks and months to come, Lord, I pray that we would be convinced and that not only of, of the truth of it, but Lord, we would be convinced of it so that we might go and preach it to others. That we might be a church full of preachers, of sharers, of disciple makers, Lord, just as you have called us to be. So we proclaim this message with full confidence. We proclaim it with love and conviction that it is truth. We thank you that you do all of this. And Lord, again, may we say it's not about us. It's about the Lord Jesus Christ. And that if you believe in his name, you will have life. Give us life today. In his name we pray. Amen.